Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Hear ye, hear ye, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I do know that my name is Christy McQueen, and Justin Winters is here as well. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> what was that? I don't really know. I think I'm just loopy. I've been loopy for a few days now, you guys. It's the holidays. It's what happens. It's it's pouring outside. And yeah, I don't like the rain. I am not a fan of being wet. I am not a fan of being outside when it's wet, and I'm not a fan of feeling badly for others who are outside, even when I'm inside, because it's wet. It's good movie-watching weather, though. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so we saw two of um, the screeners that we are lucky enough to get. We saw The Fighter and Black Swan. Yes, we Bef- did. Before we discuss them, I wanted to know, which one did you like better? Um, I don't. Uh, it's pretty close. They're definitely two of my favorites I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. I saw both of them twice. That's how much I liked them. I think I like Black Swan maybe a little bit more. Really? Yes. Why is that? Um, uh, it was more unexpected. Um, the story and some of the performances, and it's kind of like a, it's basically like a horror film, which, you know, I love, you know, scary movie slash thriller type movies, and it was definitely top notch. I'm not sure that I would say that Black Swan was a horror film. I would say it's definitely uh, of the thriller genre, but a I would horror say, film? I would say it's a horror film, yeah. What makes it a horror film? Um, well, it's got some hor- horrific elements that are that are coming into play halfway through. The, the main character kind of loses um, her sense of reality, and things start to happen in, you know, less a metaphor sense and more like... A literal sense? A literal to her sense. Right. Anyway. That's true. They're both great movies. It's like, you know, it's it's really close. You know, they they have writing, direction, and performances that are all, you know, top-notch, Oscar-worthy. The Fighter, though, uh, was based on a true story, which was yes. something that I didn't really know going into this. And, and then when I saw, you know, the words light up the screen, I went, really? This happened? It did. It did happen. Except, you know, with people who aren't necessarily as good-looking, probably, as Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. Well, at the end of the movie, they kind of come up in the credits, and you see who the people are that they were playing. Oh, I must have missed that. Apparently, the story's been, you know, they've been wanting to make a movie about it for, like, years and years. And Mark Wahlberg grew up in, like, the similar area that the two guys that the movie's about. The brothers. So he he kind of took it upon himself to, you know, be a producer and try to get this made for the screen, so. Don't you find it interesting that they chose two, by Hollywood standards, good-looking men? Are we getting with this, going with this again? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They put two guys that are good-looking in the place of two guys that are not as good-looking. No, no. That's not where I was going with this. Oh, you weren't? Okay. No. I was going with that they picked two good-looking Hollywood leading men to play these roles, uh-huh. but they picked a rather unfortunate gaggle of women to play the remaining seven sisters 
of the two brothers. Well, it wouldn't have worked if they all, you know, the sisters would have been, oh, hot. Anyway, let's go, since we're talking about the fighter first. Okay. Um, what did you think about the fighter as, uh, a whole, as a whole? I was pleasantly surprised. Boxing might come as a shock to you, but not my forte. Uh, dancing is, so it was much easier for me to get into Black Swan because it speaks my language. Uh, but boxing is, you know, at best hitting each other in the face for money and at worst a brutally violent quote-unquote sport, I think. Well, I mean, there's many movies that I don't like the subject matter, but I can say that they're a good movie. This movie actually, it's not as much as a boxing movie as it is about, it's like a family re- relationship drama, pretty much. You're right about that. With, and I think- with, with boxing elements on out on the outset. So. Right. And, and I think that is why I enjoyed it. Had it been more about the boxing and less about, you know, family being the centrifugal force, keeping everything tied together, I would have been like, eh, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but you know, I can handle a little bit of hitting each other in the face. Just a little bit. Sometimes hitting in the face is needed, especially can, if it's a boxing movie. I can handle it better when it was girls, believe it or not, hitting each other than the grown men in the ring. Like, grown men in the ring with boxing gloves bothered me, but Amy Adams punching out one of the sisters of Mark Wahlberg, I was cool with. Okay. I think it was because she was the underdog. Okay. Well, I mean, pretty much they're all, uh, you know, underdogs in the movie. <laughs> underdogs punching underdogs. Who do you root for in a scenario like that where underdogs are punching other underdogs? Um, I don't know. <laughs> underdog number one. <laughs> What? What are you talking? I don't understand what you're talking about. I, don't know. Now. I went off on a tangent. <laughs> okay. But back to the photo. You think that Christian Bale outshone Mark Wahlberg? Is that true? Uh, yes. That would be an understatement. Oh, and why is it an understatement? Well, okay. To come to Mark Wahlberg's defense, a little, you know, I don't always hate on Mark Wahlberg, but in this movie, just his character is in in essence over, you know, outshone by. A lot of people in the movie. His, a lot of people? Yes, his mom, his family, his brother. He's like the one that doesn't get, you know, all the praise. I mean his character. I said character, yeah, if you listen. Oh, I thought you, no, I thought you were saying that Mark Wahlberg doesn't get a lot of... No, I said Mark Wahlberg's character in this movie oh. is kind of like the runt of the family. Right, that's true. And he, you know, is used by his brother, his mom, his sisters, because he's like the last great hope of the family. <laughs> Even, you even, are the last even though even though Christian Bale, his half brother, um, the, the character that plays his half brother, is kind of like a loser and a crack addict, but he still gets you know m- more the love from the mom. Well, also it was um, he he you know he pushed Sugar Ray Leonard down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't like yeah he didn't you know knock Sugar Ray Leonard out like everyone says, but he. Just kind of knocked him, and then you know he fell. Sugar Ray did, yeah. so he became the hero of this town of Lowell, Massachusetts. Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, um, which is a great sequence, they're like the two brothers are walking through town, and every single person, you know, knows them. Loves Christian Bale's character, Dicky. Yeah, he kind of uh, Christian Bale's character in this movie kind of reminds me of the, um, you know, the guys that were great high school athletes, and then oh. they stopped playing, but. Years and years later, they're still talking about, remember I did that in high school? Remember this touchdown? And you're like, uh, okay, sure. I set the record for field goals in 1988. 
Yeah. And people are like, yeah, that guy set the field goal record from 1988. He's awesome. Those guys that are like in their 40s and 50s still go to the high school games and they're like, yeah, in my day, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was awesome. And you're in high school and you're like, okay, old man, whatever you say. Reason 17B, I'm glad I live in Los Angeles because that just kind of doesn't happen out here. Might no, happen to like the I'm sure it does, but you, you you're not the kind to go to football games. I'm not sure. I went to a couple. Okay, like one. Maybe it two. happens everywhere, pretty much. Maybe maybe in like the outer boroughs of you know suburbia, but I mean, not... no, it happens. It's not even football. I mean, uh, just you you can have great times in high school and college. And then sometimes you settle down and you yearn for those days of, you know, oh, sure. glory I'm, on the gridiron. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying that people don't yearn for that out here or in general. I'm saying that they don't receive the same sort of pat on the back and accolade that they do maybe in those smaller towns or communities where people are like, yeah, you were awesome when you did that one thing back then. It was great. Whereas out here, you might be like, I really wish I was, you know, skinny and beautiful and the homecoming queen like I was in high school. But nobody is being like, do you remember when you were the homecoming queen? Because that was great. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you, I mean, you were in drama and theater in high school. You you still know people that are like, oh my gosh, don't you remember that one time in the play? That was so awesome. Ain't I awesome? Oh my gosh. No, we think it's, no, that's not true. We think that whatever we did was funny and we laugh about the stories of, you know, things going wrong or funny things that happen. But we're not like, I was so awesome back then. High five. Well, then, I'm <laughs> sure it does. It happens, dude. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes, of course it does. Okay. Agree to disagree. I'm not saying you, you, I'm not saying you think about you. I'm just saying in general, it does happen. So Mark Wahlberg was kind of the underdog and also the runt of this family. Yes. I feel in a way like we're painting him as being as a person, Mark Wahlberg being an underdog of this movie too, because you were saying that so many people, uh, their performances outshone his. Well, just his character, you know, it, he was, the story was less about him and more about the people surrounding him and how they affected him. You know, I love this movie and there's many reasons why I love it. Up top, top, tippy top is pretty much Christian Bale. Tippy top. And then Melissa Leo, who plays the mom. Amy Adams, and then Mark Wahlberg is kind of down around the bottom. It's not saying Mark Wahlberg's terrible. He's just got a lot of really, really great performances around him. I think I would rearrange that to make Christian Bale at the top, then Mark Wahlberg, then Amy Adams, then the mom. So you like Mark Wahlberg a lot more than I do in this movie, then? I do, but I think in general, I, I think that Mark Wahlberg has gotten better with age and with the movies that he's done, with the notable exception of the M. M. Night Shyamalan disaster, whatever movie that was, was a disaster. The Happening. Yes. Well, that was less about him and more about the terrible, terrible script that he had to well, read from. Come on, it, yes, but it was also about him too. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I think Mark Wahlberg is only as good as his director because um, you know he. I, I loved him in Boogie Nights. Um, he did a movie. Pardon? He did a movie. David O. Russell called Art, I Heart Huckabees, where he was really good. He was good in The Departed. Um, you know, but he's got like... Basketball Diaries. Varying levels of Mark Wahlberg. He doesn't really like disappear into a role like Christian Bale does. That's true. Um, you're, you're, but very few people do. Very. That is true. But still, even in this movie, at points you're just like, oh, Mark Wahlberg doing his Mark Wahlberg thing. Okay. <laughs> You yeah, know, the true. way he says his lines, it's just like, you know. It's Mark Wahlberg. It's Mark Wahlberg. No, I agree. And it, it's almost like if you were to take 
the role of, I don't know, pick, pick a famous role, you know. Oh, I know. The guy from It's a Wonderful Life that Jimmy Stewart plays. I can't remember the character's name, but I know it's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because when you think of that, you don't think of whatever the guy's name is, you know, like Frank in, in It's a Wonderful Life. You think of Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life because no matter what he did, he was always Jimmy Stewart. I think of it. Mark Wahlberg kind of had like the Batman role in this. Like in the Batman movies, mm-hmm. Batman's not really the most interesting thing about the movies. It's all about the the villains and oh. stuff. I think it was all about Robin, and I was gonna be like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not all about Robin. Why would I? Say that? I don't know. No, it's all like it's like the Joker. Like he's like, oh yes, the Joker or the Two Face or all these other characters. And like Batman's still cool, but he's kind of sometimes overshadowed because. They get the more meaty, you know, the role. Material. Yeah, exactly. So. Oh, oh, I completely agree with you. And, you know, it's funny because Christian Bale was Batman, and so he had that role. Batman. Let's not forget that Mark Wahlberg did um, uh, star in Fear, which was one of the scariest movies when I was, like, uh, in high school it came out. I never saw it. You never saw Fear? I never saw Fear. Oh, Okay. Tack it on the list of things I haven't seen. <laughs> With, uh, your girl, uh, Greasy Reesey Witherspoon's in it. Greasy Reesey? Yes. Is that your nickname for her? No. It's uh, Kevin Smith's got this famous story where he's talking about how he, how much he hates Reese Witherspoon, and so he calls her Greasy Reesey. Wait, why does he hate her? Oh, it's a long story. Anyway, <laughs> you will watch that movie. It's, it is scary. Right. He plays like the um, boyfriend who gets really, really violent when like the girl... Decides to break up with him. Oh, that is kind of frightening. Yes. Anyway, Mark Wahlberg, yeah. he's okay in this movie. Like I said, he's good. He's just a degree of Mark Wahlberg, I agree. But I think that character is good. But let's, Christian Bale. Let's talk about Christian Bale here. Yeah. I was kind of making the assumption that he just never gained back all the weight from that one movie that he lost all the weight for. That was like eight years ago, though. But was it really? He's, he's had a lot of movies. The The Machinist. Yes. Um, yeah, people should watch that movie. It's kind of haven't seen that scary. It's like, ugh, yes, like he gets really uber skinny, like even skinnier than he is in this movie. Right? No, I, I knew that, but he looked pretty skeletal in this. Was that because Dicky, the real life Dicky, was very thin, or? Um. Well, I, I'm sure. I mean, he's a method actor, so I'm sure that he tried to get as close as possible and live in his shoes. the role. Uh, he probably did some crack, man. You, knowing him, I guess not, but. He he played a pretty uh, scary crack addict in this movie, but right. but to his um, benefit, you still like him in the role. Right. Well, his character tells everybody around town that HBO is filming a documentary around him and about his quote comeback. And because he's such a hero to pretty much everybody who lives in Lowell, they're like, "Yeah, Dickie, have a comeback. It's going to be awesome, and we can't wait to see the HBO movie." Woo! And in private, you find out that he does coke, and your first thought is, wait a second, does HBO know that he's doing coke, or is this a whole facade? And then you quickly discover that HBO's actually doing a documentary about coke or crack addiction, and, you well, know, that's really what The first about. time you see, almost the second time you see the crew, he's, like, smoking crack in a crack den with all these other crack horrors around him. I kind of thought that a Crackton was an urban legend. I didn't know that it actually existed, that, like, people go to a house and smoke crack together. You thought that they'd only do it by themselves? Or no, but, like, in pairs. In Paris? No, pairs. <laughs> pairs? <laughs> oh, we have crack. We have some pears. We in Paris. We must smoke crack. <laughs> no. But, like, 
people who do pot, they don't go to pot houses. They just like hang out and do pot. That's too much work. (laughs) That's probably true. So you don't want to smoke smoke crack in your own house because then you might get in trouble. So you go to this crack house and I don't know. But see what I'm saying? It seemed real to me. But th- but that's what when you hear things like that's a crack house, I'm like that's not true. That doesn't actually exist. And they just do crack in the privacy of their own home. I was thinking about it today. I was like, this is a movie that you could recommend to everyone. And then I was like, well, maybe not everyone because it's got some scenes in a crack house. There's some scenes of uh, prostitution. Oh, it's like one scene of prostitution. But still, it's not like uh, it's not second. Shown. It's not secretariat or something. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, you will not be recommending this to your mamma. Um, probably not, but... Aw, she's missing out. She liked Avatar. <laughs> well, there was no crack smoking in Avatar, even though watching Avatar after smoking some crack might have been... Pri- <laughs> it would be crazy, dude. I don't really know how crack affects you. I'm assuming it affects you the way Coke does, and I know that makes people hyper, so I don't know how that would work. I don't know if you would have the attention span to It makes watch. you crazy, apparently, because in this movie, um, Christian Bell is found out by his family in the crack house and his response to this is to jump out the second floor window on this thing of, thing of trash. And he does it twice. And <laughs> the funny thing is is that the first time his mom didn't know because she was ringing the doorbell incessantly in the front and he jumped out the side and Mark Wahlberg was like, what are you doing, Dickie? What are you doing? And then the second time, I think she knew. So she rang the doorbell knowing that that's what would happen because she appeared out the other side where the trash was. She like rang it and ran over to the trash pile and met him there. Um, one of my favorite scenes is the second time she catches him and she's like, you again, smoking crack, jumping out the window on the trash pile. She's and, very upset. And they like, <laughs> they go and sit in the car and you know she's pissed, but he like starts singing that ABBA song out of nowhere and she's like, Ugh. and then she starts singing it too. It's just the two of them singing. Speaking of, let's talk about the female performances in the film. Let's. Um, Melissa Leo plays the mom, and uh, she was pretty amazing. You liked her a lot more than I did. I didn't dislike her, and the more I think about it, I think, okay, her performance, I think, was probably pretty nuanced, but she didn't stand out to me the way she did to you. No, here's the thing. You said that you did just didn't like She, like, got on your nerves, and that was pretty much the point of the character. She was... That's true. You know... Polarizing. She was the the momager, the mother hen. She had nine freaking kids, seven of which spent like all all their time with her. Apparently, all those sisters. That's insane, by the way. Because a, who has nine kids? But b, if you do, the Catholics, man, up uh, in the evidently Irish Catholics. Mm-hmm. But if you have seven girls, can you teach them to be individuals or have their own sort of lives and personalities? Because these seven women literally moved as a unit. They sat on the same couch. I don't know how they fit all seven of them. They went in the same car. They moved as a unit. They were kind of like the seven doors because none of them really looked alike. But they didn't even like walk in a line like the seven doors did. They walked like in a straight like chorus line coming at you. But they all used, you know, the Aquanet and they had their hair like precariously up high. Hey, it was the early 90s. Teach his own. And one of our favorite parts about the fact of the sisters which I did not know when I saw it for the first time, is that one of the sisters is played by Conan O'Brien's sister. Genius casting, by the way. I did not know how I didn't realize this the first time because she looks exactly like Conan with long hair. It's true. It's like they popped a wig on Conan and put some unfortunate makeup on and it was like, here you go, and then plopped her on the couch with the other six women. 
And she makes expressions, too, that are also Conan-like periodically throughout the movie. And I was giggling right along there with you, thinking that it was so funny to watch Conan in a dress. Oh, poor Conan's sister. How, why hasn't he had her on the show? You would think that he'd be like, my sister was in this great movie that's going to be nominated for a whole bunch of awards. Here she is on the show. Everyone welcome so-and-so O'Brien. I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe he's, he finds it awkward, too, that they look just alike. He doesn't want to do nepotism? Nepotism? In what way? Like, By bringing on the show? Here's I don't think my that... sister. You like. Here she is. You buy. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's the worst form of nepotism. <laughs> I would pick you out. <laughs> I think it depends on... Co-star of the fighter, star of your own porno, next. <laughs> I wasn't implying that she should do porn next, but in the way of like, you know, like a manager pimps out their actor, he could be like, I am a famous and she should be too. (laughs) Anyway, another reason I like this movie is that a lot of the supporting cast just seemed like they were generally from Lowell, Massachusetts. Was that because of the acting or because of their look? Um, Both. Both. I mean, the, the sisters, you know. There were no Hollywood beauties in this. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, the guy uh, that played, uh, the guy with the glasses that played the cop, but was also um, the second, not manager, but trainer. trainer. I think he was the actual the actual trainer that trained the actual Dickie. Really? And he, for him to be, uh, you know, a non I mean, he's not a professional actor. He's a cop. He did pretty well. Not just a cop, but a cop. Yes, some deep, deep Boston accents in this movie. And that's the other thing, because right away I was like, is this in Boston again? We've seen a lot of Boston movies lately where it's like some sort of underdog who has to avoid going to jail and, you know, things like that. Yeah, we saw the town. The town. Earlier this year. And then a few years back we saw Goodwill Hunting, same thing. <laughs> okay. What's up with people who are from that area making movies about that area constantly? Well, when you get famous, you know, and you come from a small, smallish town, and you have the chance to, you know, use your clout and money to make movies back in your own town, that's cool. I mean, you're giving a bunch of people drop jobs in front of the screen and behind the screen because you're employing, you know. I guess. I just can't see, like, if I somehow became, like, the next Sofia Coppola, I can't see myself going and making a movie about Simi Valley. Like, Simi Valley! It's because they're a dime a dozen. There's been a lot of movies made in the Valley. But I come from North Carolina, and, you know, if I had the chance to, you know, make a movie back in North Carolina or something, I would take it, definitely. Aw, that's so sweet. What would your North Carolina movie be about, though? Because these are all, like, about Boston. It's a pivotal character in the movie. Or about Massachusetts. Like, what would your North Carolina movie be that was so important that it has to be North Carolina? I don't know. I have to think about it. I don't know if it'd be a true story or not, but, you know, you could have some people from some deep southern accents. Yep. 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 Not not something like uh, Winter's Bone or anything. No, no. That movie (laughs) is depressing and dreary as all get out. Uh... I make a movie about people smoking meth, just like that one. Please don't. Much. Please don't. That would not be good, and that would not be good for your hometown or state. 
Don't do that. I'm going to make a movie about people not smoking meth. Yeah. Make make your movie about North Carolina be all like sunshine and rainbows so people want to go there. Sunshine and rainbows. In North Carolina. Well, I'm not making like a Visitor's Bureau movie. Right? You could make a musical. A musical. And then I could be in it. What? <laughs> okay. So what else did you like about The Fighter? Um, I think, honestly, the acting and the writing and directing all created this trifecta of goodness. Trifecta if, of goodness. Yeah, because if any one of those three elements was missing, it would not have been nearly as good as the movie was. It would not have been the same film. It just wouldn't have been. Let's talk about the, 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 the last remaining female character in the movie, um, played by my girl Amy Adams. I adore Amy Adams. So do I. Well, for different reasons. <laughs> because I sat beside her one time. I had lunch with her. Yeah, Justin went to the arc light in Hollywood and was like, oh, I'm really from a show. I guess I'll eat some food. <laughs> and like went to the cafe and I got a text message from him that says, I'm having lunch with Amy Adams. And I was like, what? The girl from Enchanted? What are you talking about? She was literally like a foot away from me sitting on the two top right next to me. And I was just like, eavesdropping and... That translated to him having lunch with her, by the way. Exactly. Staying a little too long. Yeah. I remember her all the way back from Catch Me If You Can. That was her first big break. In 2002. That that was before Junebug? Yes, way before. That was 2002. Oh, she's great in Junebug. I still never saw all of Junebug. I think that was set... That was set in... North Carolina. North Carolina. Yes, it was. I think it was filmed in Winston-Salem. She did very well. She was the pregnant... Yeah. Very Southern... (laughs) <laughs> that was great. Anyway, yeah, you liked she, her. You liked her in this role. I like her because I mean I think that she's such a cute sort of type that that she can't. No matter how much she tries, she can never be too gritty. She's just too cute to be too gritty. Mm-hmm. And for her, I think this this is as gritty as she gets. Mm-hmm. And she was great. I like that she has a very natural beauty about her. Um, it's not plastic fantastic beauty. It's not like she spent three days in the gym and has only lived on celery sticks and, you know, tan spray. She's real. Spray tan. Yes. Absolutely. She's a lot realer than Jennifer Lopez. I'm real, won't you? Yeah. But in this movie, she played kind of like the ball buster, man. She was like... I like that about her. She was was great. I'm not a fan of of Wallflowers movies. And I'm not saying... I'm not going to go on a total feminist rant here and be like, women roar like bears. But, you know, don't... If somebody throws a punch at you or puts you down, don't stand for it. And she didn't. Yeah. She didn't let people metaphorically punch her in the face. She punched them in the face. Metaphorically or literally? Oh, yeah. But, you know, right from the beginning when the mother was like, I'm sorry, we're having a private conversation here. Who are you again? And she's like, I'm Charlene. We've met. Hi, I'm Charlene. Do you want to do this again? It was like, nice to have, nice first meeting with the mother, by the way, that you're like that much of a. She kind of had like more balls than Mark Wahlberg. Oh, she was Mark Wahlberg's balls. When going against the family for, you know, what was best for him and not best for them. She was his balls, actually. When she, whenever she left, he didn't have any. Like, that's it. Mark Wahlberg's balls. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) She should put that on her resume. Amy Adams, Mark Wahlberg's balls. She was a ball buster, man. She was yep. great. She was a bartender. Yep. <laughs> and she apparently had a drinking problem, which was funny because she was a bartender. And it was like, that's probably not a good career choice for somebody who has a drinking problem. Eh. Probably <laughs> yeah, not. It's okay. Probably not. It's Massachusetts. They do that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. 
don't know what happened. How many times have you been in Massachusetts? Zero. Yeah, that's true. I haven't been anywhere on the East Coast except for North Carolina with you. There you go. So I am not well-traveled. Maybe we shouldn't be denigrating a whole population without... (laughs) I'm not. I was saying that's not a good career choice for an alcoholic to, you know, be a bartender. And you were like, yeah, it's okay. So um, this movie was almost two hours. Did you think it ran long? Was it about the perfect length? I think it was It was the perfect length. I, I didn't notice or feel like it was dragging at any one point. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, there probably were scenes that were either unnecessary or could have been cut. But at the time that you're watching it, it doesn't feel that way. Hmm. Did you have a favorite scene? Uh, I, I, I talked about the scene where they're uh, singing in the car together. Oh, yeah. Um what else did I like? Amy Adams throwing down and punching Conan O'Brien's sister in the face because that was my favorite scene. She didn't punch Conan. No, it was a she different. It was a different sister. I think it was no. I think it was Conan's sister. No, it was a different sister. Okay. I, was, I had my eye on Conan's sister. <laughs> so the whole second time I watched it. Got it. Never mind. Dude, you, you can't watch it again without her, Note to her self. standout performance. Taken. A lot of facial expressions. Very, right. Very Conan esque. Cool. <laughs> There you go. So your final grade for the fighter, what would it be? A minus. A minus. Yeah. So very good. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not something I would want to watch regularly. It's not like you know, rainy day. Let's watch a movie that I've already seen that I want to see again. The fighter. I don't think I would pick it right away, but it's definitely a good movie and worth at least one viewing, if not two. Yes, I would. I would agree and say, if if not only for Christian Bale's performance, definitely one to see. You know, in the theater. Um, and it's got a, like a happy-ish type ending, too. Happy-ish. Happy-esque. Happy-esque. I mean, Mark Wahlberg's character, he's not a very good boxer throughout the movie. He gets beat in the face a lot. Yeah, he does. And actually, surprisingly, Mark Wahlberg, uh, he actually boxed. Did most right. of the boxing, which involved, again, him getting punched in the face a lot. Well, so. you can tell. Like, they did um, some really amazing shots where they would slow down the punch and you'd see the reaction on the other fighter's face. So, yeah yeah pretty much the rippleage of the skin the rippleage and of his muscle hitting that force that he would hit with he had to get pretty stacked to play a mark Wahlberg is pretty stacked in general like have you ever not seen mark Wahlberg? that's what he does he's mark Wahlberg. (laughs) (laughs) he's play a fatty or something he he needs to do the christian bale and like gain a lot of weight for a role or something well speaking of people who change their body types for uh a movie. Yes. Oh, you're doing a dance. Let's segue now to Black Swan, Natalie Portman, who was svelte to begin with. You know, lost at least 20 pounds for this part. Yes. She lost the she lost the freshman 20. Do you prefer ultra skinny Natalie Portman or regular skinny Natalie Portman? Uh, I prefer the Natalie Portman where you can't see her clavicle or her ribs. Aww. That's kind of scary. I don't think so. Yes, it is. No, I, whenever I'm, and not anymore, when I used to be like super skinny, that's always where I lost it first was there on the clavicle, and I used to love that. Like, ooh, clavicle. Look at how skinny I am. Okay, well, that's your opinion, man. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I, if she was starving herself to do it, obviously she should not, and I'm not putting that out there. I'm just saying that I think it's a pretty look. So, as a whole, Black Swan, Yeah. I've this was my second time seeing it. Um, I waited a long time without talking about it. I waited a long time for this. No, it went like a whole month. I couldn't talk about it. Yeah. Because we've been wanting to see it. 
But yeah. now you finally got so. What, what did you think? It's interesting because I knew going in that this would be an intriguing movie. But of course, you can tell that from the trailers. So, although I knew that, for the, I felt like for the first 30 minutes, it just kind of meandered around. And you were obviously seeing the story through Natalie Portman's character's eyes. But you were left with this feeling, uh, it was kind of dichotomous, of either A, wow, I have no idea what this movie is really about, or what is pulling it, you know, what, where's it going? And secondarily, B, because you saw the trailer, you went, oh, there's intrigue and mystery involved, and when's it going to happen? Is that significant? Is that significant? Is she significant? What's, you know, and you're looking for things that may not even be there, because you know something's going to happen. I agree. The trailer does... Um kind of point to something else going on. But until you see the movie, you don't realize how really crazy out there it gets. It's definitely not, don't, it's not a family film. No, not really. <laughs> and it's not really like a ballet film for aspiring ballerinas either. So it, it, it does not, I don't want to be a ballerina now that I've seen this movie. Mamas, if you have like an aspiring ballerina at home, just, you know, let her watch the red shoes. That's good. The red shoes. Great movie. Or apparently I've heard that Cinderella Barbie or Barbie Cinderella or whatever, Barbie Nutcracker, some sort of Barbie ballet movie is apparently okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. Barbie ballet movie? Yeah, it's like an animated or semi-animated kind of stop-motion-y Barbie ballet Or if they just like dance in particular, let them watch uh, Step Up 2. Yeah, or take them to a dance class. But don't let them watch The Black Swan. Uh, It's disturbing on, on quite a few levels. Yes, it's very psychological. This is one of those movies that I feel like it's hard to talk about because you don't want to give it away. And yet, even as I just said that, I'm like, but what is it? What would we be giving away? Because it goes in so many different directions and, you know, twists and ties into itself that I'm not even sure what we would give away. Yet, I feel like if I speak too much, I will. True. It's got very a, a lot of layers to it. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Sorry about that. But... I liked it about that. I liked the movie because of that. Because you watch it the first time over, and then the second time you're going back and catching so many things that you missed because mm-hmm. you were more focused on the characters or the story and not as much um, what's going on within the frame, the sound design, which is amazing. Yeah. I feel like we can say this much without giving too much away. Things happen to Natalie Portman. Yes, things happen. So, I feel relatively early on in the movie Uh that I kind of deduced that she, there was an internal struggle happening within Nina Sayers, her character, as opposed to necessarily external forces acting upon her. And uh, without, again, giving too much away, we can talk about this, you know, via Vessel of Mila, Mila Kunis, because you thought first time you watched it, that she was evil, right? Um, I don't know, evil, but they definitely paint her out to be, like, the Gina Gershon of this movie. <laughs> We're comparing it to Showgirls? <laughs> There's some really striking similarities oh. between this and Showgirls. Wow, that's scary. Well, you can really actually look up. I, I think there's a mashup of if you look on YouTube of uh, Black Swan and Showgirls oh, online. I think you're right. I think you sent it to me, and I need to see it. Black Swan, much better movie, but yeah, you know, uh, Mila Kunis is like the the rival dancer that shows up, you know, straight from San Francisco to um, challenge 
uh, Natalie Portman a little, a little bit. But the first time you saw it, you really thought that, oh, this girl has ulterior motives and she is not only here to challenge uh, Nina Sayers, but she is here to, like, you know, possibly even do her harm. The second time you saw it, did you think that that was still the case? No, the second time I saw it, I knew, you know, obviously where the story was going, and I watched it and I was like, you know what? Mila Kunis' character is actually pretty cool. And Natalie Portman's the one that's, you know, way too uptight for her own good. Right. Well, that's what I was implying by internal forces as opposed to external. I mean, certainly there are external forces there's many that external, act upon her. There's, you know, her mother, her, the dance choreographer. Mm-hmm. You know, each one of those figures wants to control her and puppet her. And she is, it has been, at least in the past, all too willing to be their puppets, you know, especially her mother. Mm-hmm. And in order to, you know, and she only did that in the past, I think, because she wanted to be perfect to them, perfect to everyone. And now with this, she's decided, I'm going to be perfect no matter what, even if it does mean losing control. Okay. What was the point of all this? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I had a point, and then it, I lost it. All right. What did you like about the movie, though? Well, obviously, like I said in the very beginning of this I, podcast. I like that she had an internal struggle, and... <laughs> no. Shut up. Um, I come from a dance background. Really? I know. Who would have thought? I have a dance gig this Friday. And I understood a lot of what she was going through on levels that you can really only understand if you've even somewhat experienced them yourselves. Granted, I never belonged to a professional company and I would never even, you know, insinuate as much. But I understand the struggle to be perfect in order to be seen, in order to be chosen, and, you know, revered and have a possible career at this. Otherwise, you're relegated to the background if you're even lucky enough to get to a core. So I understood her struggle. Okay. And that's why you liked it? No. I'm saying that's one of the things right away where I, if you can identify with the character in the movie, if you if you had been a boxer yourself or trained to be a boxer, you would have really identified with Mark Wahlberg or Dickie and you would have, you know, really felt a stronger connection to the fighter. Well, I did do crack, so I... <laughs> I, uh, me and Dickie's character, yeah. Oh, that's why you like that movie so much. Now it all makes sense. Crack is whack. Crack is whack. Bobby! Okay, back to Black Swan. <laughs> so, again, I, I got that part. I liked that um, they juxtaposed such a dark story against what is typically seen from the outside as the lightness and beauty of ballet. It's, you know, ballet is supposed to be uplifting most of the time, and... But it's this it's, world it's, of perfection. It's, it's also juxtaposed against, you know, the actual... Ballet world. Just the story of the black swan and the white swan and the duality within ourselves. And, you know, the director, Darren Aronofsky, definitely hammers that home several different times throughout the movie. Sometimes a little too much, where you're just like, "Okay, I get it." There, we get it. There's a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on. I get it. You know, right? Literal. <laughs> I, did, I, did you catch the metaphor? Well, did you catch the metaphor? Well, this is so, what we discussed. It's really loud. Yeah, we discussed it before. It starts out where it's like, or and as the movie goes on, that little whisper of metaphor gets louder and louder. And by the end, it's like. Metaphor! I'm a bear and a pterodactyl. I'm a pterodactyl. Ah! She's falling apart. At the seams of her ballet costume. Literally falling apart. I know, hence... Metaphor! 
<laughs> There's a couple instances where, you know, she starts, like, peeling off her skin and the audience is just, they're like, ugh. Yo, I did that. I You didn't even I, want to watch. No, I shielded my eyes for a second and went, ugh. What a wuss. Okay, well, I feel like I can say this without giving too much away because it starts happening relatively early. She gets pinpricks on her skin. And you're like, what is that? Pin- is that a rash? Is she scratching herself? What, then she doesn't realize she's doing it. Like her mom, her mom talks about her scratching herself again. Is she? Was she a cutter? I just assumed that she was talking about cutting herself. Yeah, I think so too. Um, especially because there's one scene where she gets out all of her materials in her dressing room, and it looks like she picks out like a really sharp, long nail file or something. And I'm like, oh, why would you need that? That long nail file comes into play during my favorite scene in the movie. Favorite being because it's just so shocking and out there. Lo- Not the lesbian sex scene. <laughs> the, the, well, those scenes are, you know, I'm not going to downplay those scenes as well. But Any, they have nothing to do with the long nail file. Anytime two very attractive females decide to make out with each other, I'm not going to protest. <laughs> Especially if they're Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis. That's true. That was hot. But there is one scene during this movie that was so out there and it came out of like left field. That the first time I saw it with a crowd, it was one of those where you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, everybody's like, holy crap. And that scene involves Winona Ryder. So, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but it involves Winona Ryder just falling off the deep end. She plays like the crazy over-the-hill dancer in this movie. You never actually see her dance, by the way. She just, it's implied that she was the principal dancer for this company for, you know, 10, 15 years. She's old news. Yeah. And she she's basically being forced into retirement. It's a bit part, but she makes the most of it. Oh, she does. Yes, she does. Yes, she, oh, oh, I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about all Winona Ryder scenes in my head. Like, is it that one? It's her no. last scene, pretty much. Is it that one? No. Well, she's crazy in that one, but no. It's more of like, oh, you heard what she did. And then all of a sudden I remembered and went, oh, no! Winona yes. Ryder went crazy that one scene. That's right. Yes, it's, Gross. It's, it's it's pretty great. Avert your eyes, children, avert your eyes. By that point, I was I was like, okay, this this movie's gotten very, you know, David Cronenberg. It's most se- of us don't know what you're talking seeking about. Seeking to, to to it got a little violent oh. and psychological. It, I mean, as her psyche and um emotions. Motions start to uh, overwhelm her. She starts to fall apart at the seams, metaphorically and literally. And the movie just gets crazier and crazier. Well, it's kind of like what happened when we saw Fight Club. It's, you know, it all starts to unravel and things get crazier and crazier. And then... And in the the same way as Fight Club, you're like, okay, what's real and what's not? what's, What's going on? And that's... It makes it a great movie to watch over and over again. There does reach a point in Black Swan where you no longer wonder, like, is she imagining this or how is she getting that rash? Is she scratching herself and it's subconscious and we just don't know it or she doesn't know it? Or like, what's happening? There is a point where they literally jump off, you know, the line that they've been walking precariously on the whole time. And you go, okay, she's blah, 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 on stage. I don't want to say. She's blah, 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 on stage. She's, all right, uh, close your ears for no, the no, next... No, 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 no just the next to five do. seconds. No, Why? don't do that. You just save spoilers for the end. All right, let's talk about the performances. What did you think of Natalie Portman's performance? Uh, she was good. The first 30 minutes, like I said, when we were still meandering around wondering what the movie was going to be all about, 
it was like, eh, I kind of feel like she's just looking constipated. And she just was very uptight in a more in a kind of constipated way. Well, that's that was her character in the beginning of the film, right? But so it, you're... it had one shade. Okay, so there wasn't enough shades. Just just in the beginning, and then past that, once things started happening to her, once she started unraveling from within, then of course her performance became layered and nuanced and amazing. She broke out of it and showed us a whole bunch of different colors. But in the beginning, it was just one color. How would you rate her dancing ability? Because she did, um, apparently, like 90% of her dancing in the film. And I would there, rate it there's, there's a lot of dancing in the film. There's a good amount. Say, there's a lot. There's a good amount of dancing in the film. She, there's um, a lot of dancing. She in makes the film. beautiful lines. She lost a lot of weight for the role, obviously. We, we discussed that. Um, and she, she uses that to her advantage as far as her lines are concerned. She does make beautiful lines. Um, that being said, she grew up taking dance and when you grow up in this, even if it's just a foundation, you don't continue it into adulthood, it stays with you. So if you come back to it and train for a year as she did, I mean, she trained really heavily in the last three months, but she trained for a full year, then yeah, you're more than likely, if you've had any potential in the past, going to be pretty good. And she was. The only thing I want to know is whether or not she did the fuetes on her own because she did the fuetes on point and that's hard enough to do in regular ballet shoes or barefoot. So I would like to know whether or not she really did those fuetes on point. Okay. Well, I'll call her up and ask her after we're done. Are you going to have lunch with Amy Adams and then go call Natalie Portman? Hey, maybe we want to have lunch all together. Depending on our schedules, we'll see. In your dreams. In your pants. (laughs) But Mila Kunis didn't do as much dancing. And she was beautiful, too, in a very unprecise, technically incorrect way. And I'm not saying she was bad, technically. She was still, you know, acceptable. But um, she just had... She was the Angelina Jolie to the Jen Aniston that was Natalie Portman. What? Okay. That doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. If the choreographer in this scenario is Brad Pitt, Natalie Portman is Jen Aniston. <laughs> okay, you've, you've... She's good, and everybody Brad likes Pitt's her. Brad Pitt's the choreographer. <laughs> Wait, just, Please. And, this... No, and Jen Aniston is a good dancer, and... She wants so badly to be perfect, and she wants everybody to love her. But everyone's like, look at that girl. She's not technically perfect. In fact, she's probably a little bit crazy, but you want to watch her because look how she moves. And that was Mila Kunis, i.e. Um, Angelina Jolie. I don't, I don't understand this. Go with it. <laughs> don't understand it. Sorry. Fine. All right. What else did you like about the movie? There was, as opposed to saying things I did like about movie, it's more, because I, I liked most of it, if not all of it it, it, it would be easier to just say things I didn't like about it, because I liked most everything. Okay, well what didn't you like about the movie? I would have liked to have um, known a little bit of the background of the relationship between the mother and Natalie Portman. It's obvious that there's history there, and that Natalie Portman's mom... <laughs> I love what people say, it's obvious that there's history there, and I'm like, yeah, it's her mom. <laughs> It goes back to year zero, pretty much. I mean that there's some sort of bad blood that they don't talk about. I don't know if it's bad blood, but just weird... uh, You don't think it's bad blood? Weird blood. She, I'm sorry, when you use a pipe to, like, keep your mother coming in from, you know, the other side, from your door, and you still live with her, and you're, like, 23, and you, she makes you undress in front of her, like... There's there's some bad blood or problems. Well, she had a mommy dearest thing going on, pretty much. Barbara Hershey, by the way, scary, scary performance from her. 
But scary in a good way. Like, this is what the character needed. You knew something was off in the beginning, but you just weren't quite sure what. Her face was kind of off to me. Well, I think she's had some botched plastic surgery. Really? I'm guessing. Uh, allegedly. She had a puffy face. She was a little puffed. And, um... Dot, dot, dot. I remember her from the Beaches days. My mom made me watch Beaches a lot when I was a kid. I never saw Beaches. Really? Really. You're lucky. <laughs> it's a very sad movie. Aww. It's kind of Selena-esque. Like, Selena! She, it's a cancer. She dies of cancer at the end of the movie. Oh, no, my planet. Spoiler alert. But that's not something you want to watch over and over again. I watch Selena over and over again every time it comes on. And that's sad, too, because the same thing happens at the end every time. I don't know why I watch Selena every time I come on. It's not one of my favorite movies. I would not count it as one of my favorite movies. Yet every single time it's on cable, I stop what I'm doing and watch it. Because you know that she's going to die. And I cry every time. You cry. I do. It's you, could, you could, like, rewind it and she, like, comes alive. Not even so much the part where she dies and, like, you know, the ring falls out of her hand. It's the part afterward where they show how, like, cold and how quiet the stage is that she had just sang on. And then you hear, like, the opening notes of Dreaming of You in the background. I'm going to cry now. So if you were dancing in this uh, troupe and Vincent Cassell played the choreographer slash director, would you have had the hots for him? Yes and no. See, he's French, right? Probably. Yeah. No? I wouldn't have thought he was aesthetically cute, but people in this position of power of being a choreographer or a theater director or a director of film or TV in general or producer or whatever, sometimes you're attracted to them not because you find them physically attractive, but they have a certain power about them. I'm not talking about like the power to move you up in the world, but they, they, they command your attention through... Um, Kind of like this overwhelming personality of control and charm. He's like a magician. Like Chris, Chris Angel Mind Freak. No. Not like Chris <laughs> Angel Mind Freak. This Cassell's got a big, by the way, I thought a you big were, head. A big face. When you said that in my head for a second, uh-huh. I thought you were talking about the guy in the hat. Mystery. <laughs> oh, mystery. <laughs> mystery. What was that show? I don't know, but one of those guys hit on me in a coffee place once. It was great. What was that VH1 show? Oh, I don't remember. But mystery taught guys, like, how to be douches to women in order to win their affections, basically. <laughs> well, Vincent Cassell's character was kind of douchey um, a few times, to uh... Right, and that's kind of a part of his allure. You know he's a douche. You know that going in, and yet you want so badly to please him. He's Well, he's got the Kyle MacLachlan role. Yes! Yeah. Oh, back to showgirls analogy. <laughs> the showgirls analogy. Oh, dear. Should we talk about our spoilers now? Talk about spoilers? Yeah. Sure, if you want to talk about spoilers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This is only going to be about two minutes, by the way. So if you tune out now, uh, happy trails. You haven't missed very much other than spoilers. We love you, and we'll see you next time. On to spoilers. Hurry up. I got spoilers, too. I want to talk about my favorite scenes. You want to go first? Go for it. No, go ahead. Let's talk about how Natalie Portman turned into a bird on stage. She turned... Oh, we're talking about the end? Yeah, when she turned into a swan. Well, that's what happens to her throughout the movie. She's so she's we, metamorphosizing. it's so gross, because you see the chicken skin that, like, just kind of, you know, travels through her body every time she's dancing, and you're like, ew, what is that? What her like picking reminded me of the fly with Jeff Goldblum. Like he, he was like falling apart. She like falls apart. I have way. a thing with pin prickliness, not like, um, like feeling, but the look of it, like chicken skin, 
and like little pinpricks coming out, like hair growing and it looks like little claws or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It's like maybe a tactile sort of response, but I actually can't handle it. I have some sort of weird OCD reaction. Whoa, so you had trouble with this. I really did. Yeah? I didn't say anything because we're watching it, but when it first started and you saw the chicken skin kind of crawling across her body, I was like, oh, pinpricks. And then when she started growing, like the little black, they weren't quite soft. They were they were not like soft like feathers. It was like the sharpest beard possible growing on her shoulders and on her back. I freaked the F out, like sitting here. And I was like, ah, gross, I'm having some sort of tactile response issue. Text your bad. Okay. That was my reply. Um, <laughs> what did you think of, uh... Obviously, Natalie Portman's character in the movie is um, very sexually repressed. Yes. Um, we talk, I think we talked about, like, how old do you think her character was supposed to be? Like, early 20s? Well, I thought before um, it was revealed when she went to the bar, like, that she was younger. But then, because she was living with her mom in a totally pink room and, you know, with stuffed animals everywhere. She did I have thought, a lot of stuffed animals. I thought, oh, Natalie Portman's playing younger than, than normal. And I guess it's because dancers have to be normal than, you know, normal, younger than normal when they're starting out. But she goes to the bar with Mila Kunis. She doesn't get carded. She's obviously of age. And it, it occurred to me, oh, she's over 21. Okay. Weird. <laughs> One of the most interesting scenes in the movie is when um, Vincent Cassell's character tells her to go home and touch herself. Oh, yeah. What did you think of that scene? <laughs> that was that was really weird. Well, they even, already... Even as a guy watching it, I know I'm like, supposed to be like, uh, 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 oh, girls wow. masturbating, huh? But I was like, whoa, this is really strange. <laughs> I kind of feel uncomfortable for you. Well, because the way he said it was creepy. It wasn't very... Not the whole him asking her, but when she went home and she actually, like... Tried? She pretended her arm was like a, a pole and she, like, did that thing where, like, she's, like, doing the dip. She's, like, face down on her bed and well, stuff. okay, my my thought when that scene went on was... Natalie Portman's you're doing character. It. You're doing it all wrong, It was like, she does not know how to masturbate. <laughs> Woman does not know how. It needs a lesson. Obviously. And then her mom ends up being in the that room. That was disgusting, and I couldn't <laughs> handle it. And then she opened her eyes, and her mom was, like, asleep in the rocking chair, and she quite, you know, understandably freaked out. <laughs> ah! Yeah. No swan hangers! I think it could have done without that scene. And I'm totally liberal with things like that. I could, But I could have done without that scene. So you weren't turned on by her, uh... Gymnastics? Her gymnastics? No. What kind of gymnastics was that? Well, she like flopped around like a dead fish. Showgirls! Oh my god! Elizabeth Berkeley flops around in that pool with Kyle McLaughlin like she's some sort of flailing dead fish. It's nothing like the scene. Natalie Portman flails in the bed when she's by herself. She like starts there's, out on her back no, and then flips over to her stomach, but she flails in the process. There's no flailing. She's there's lots a little of, bit of flailing. Lots of rubbish. It's not even quite rubbish. And by the way, she went from zero to sixty in all of like. 15 seconds. Well, she was, you know, it was like a whole new world Aladdin style for her. She's like, I've just discovered this new thing. And now I can, uh, <laughs> this new thing. through, through the power of masturbation, I've become a better, you know, dancer and I could access the black swan part of myself. I'm just going to tell you it was unrealistic. I'll leave it at that. It was, was unrealistic. Fir- I think everyone's first time is probably very awkward. Like, <laughs> I'm maybe sure not, it's maybe awkward. not, maybe not as awkward as, as that, but. Yeah, but, you Okay, know. so that's a very weird scene. Yeah. And then the number one scene that most guys will probably latch on oh. to this movie. Oh. <laughs> oh. Lesbian sex. Latch on. <laughs> oh. What? Latch on? The guys. Like, well, that would oh. be their favorite scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
There's a big, uh, yeah. A big lesbian scene. See, what what happens when you go out clubbing and then you start to, you actually um, drop some, you actually roll, (laughs) get some. What did they have? Ecstasy? Ecstasy. Okay. Yeah, but then they go home and get it on. We then, think. Well, we, you're not right. very clear. Well, then happens. later on, it's implied that she imagined the whole thing and it never really happened. And then you're like, oh, man, I didn't imagine it. It definitely happened to me. But Mila Kuna still, whether or not it happened in, you know, to, to the character, Mila Kuna still had to act the part if, for no other reason, you know, for the fantasy. Also, I found it really weird. Um, the second time I was watching back that Mila Kunis is not really, she doesn't really correspond with any other characters that much other than Natalie Portman. She corresponds to people as a group, but never individually. She's, you know, with the other girls in the dressing room, and she's talking with them as a group, but she doesn't have individual conversations. So, at one point, although I'm not on that bandwagon now, I thought that she was maybe uh, a figment of Natalie Portman's imagination, kind of like Brad Pitt in uh, Fight Club. I get that, but I don't think so. She was hot, though. Mila? Yeah. Mila's a hot woman. I know. She's grown up since that 70s show days. When she played Jackie and everybody thought she was annoying? I didn't think she was annoying. Everybody thought she was annoying. <sighs> Apparently everyone but you. No. <laughs> she was the hot <laughs> That's one. That's your rebuttal. No. I thought Laura Pripon's character was more annoying than Mila Kunis. Well, she was supposed to be the girl next door that got along with all the boys. Alright. Uh, favorite scene. Go. Black Swan, what was your favorite scene? Um, honestly, probably the entire last tour de force when she inhabits the, the first the white swan, Odette, and then the black swan and does her transformation. And then the very, very ending where she says, I'm perfect. That whole last two minutes. That was your favorite scene? Probably. Okay. What was yours? Um. Those <laughs> reasons. Other than the very, um crazy out there Winona Ryder scene. You know what I really liked? I, I like the first scene in the movie where she's dreaming and uh, I think it's all like one shot. She's dancing and the the, um, the guy actually turns into like the monster like thing. Oh, I agree with you. That was a good scene It's too. a very good scene. Well shot. You know, it ends and she's like, uh, it's like the camera's behind her and she's like right. tiptoeing and stuff. A lot of this movie shot uh, handheld, man. It's, um, oh, yeah, it, with action like that, you know, it's dance and stuff. It, it, you're, you, feel, you feel closer to the action because it's so, you know, spot on for, for choreography for dancing. It's, it's great. I agree. Yeah. So, final grade, Justin. Me? Yeah. Oh, I give it an A. Me I, too. Again, it's one of my favorites of the year. I, I'm trying to catch up on a lot of stuff that I've missed. Um, hopefully, you can do, like, uh, our favorites of the year at the end. Yes, end of the year. you. Um, but, yeah, The Fighter and Black Swan, definitely... Both A movies. Uh, I'm borderline A- minus on Black Swan, but and I give uh, Fighter solid A-. minus. I think in my favorite performances, like, Natalie Portman, Black Swan, Christian Bell and The Fighter, like... Yeah. Definitely. I think I need to see Black Swan again. I mean, I liked it, but it's no center stage. <sighs> what can be center stage? Other Nothing. Than, other than center stage. Nothing. Oh, another great thing about this movie I forgot to um, talk about is the score is very awesome. I mean, they use a lot of music from Swan Lake. Um, that, and similarly, Fire had a great soundtrack. I forgot to say that, too. Maybe had, come a long way. Had Led, a lot of good Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones. Please don't talk to me about Led Zeppelin, because all I could think of was that stupid guy in the apartment across from us at 3 in the morning who was screaming Led Zeppelin at the top of his lungs when I almost had to call the police. 
And then um, that heavy song that they play like three or four times during the movie where he's like, Hey, like now! They used that a lot in the fighter. Oh, uh, they meant Black Swan. I was like, I don't remember that in Black Swan. No, we were talking about the fighter. Okay. God, ADD, man. You're ADD. But both movies, I would highly recommend. Me too. Um, fighter, um, more... Uh, probably appeals to a wider audience than uh, Black Swan. It's more of a niche movie, Black Swan. But I would still recommend... You don't have to be into ballet. Obviously, Justin doesn't know a thing about it or dance in general, and he what? still loves it. Do you know a lot about ballet? I'm yes. sorry. What do you know? I know that it's very, like, hard to get... So if you don't tough. know anything about ballet, you can watch this movie and still be into it. Ta-da! What makes you want to make out with the other girls in the cast? It's... No? I'm not sure you should say that in front of your wife, but that's cool. <laughs> No, I'm talking about if you're a ballet dancer. They like to make out with each other, apparently. No? Uh-huh. You were like, it makes you want to make out with the girls in the cast. <laughs> what? Stop putting words in my mouth I'm not saying. That's what she said. There's a lot of pressure, and with a lot of pressure, you start to unravel, and then you, like, turn into a bird. Pretty much. You, like, you throw up your food, you do some dancing, you have an oppressed mom, then there's some lesbianism, then there's more throwing up, then you turn into a bird. Yes. <laughs> And then you die. And then you do die. You die in the end. But it was for your craft. It was perfect, apparently. Apparently, yeah. It was. She couldn't be perfect unless she died. The white swan can't live. Her understudy was like, yes, it's my time. <laughs> Mila Kunis. If she is real. If she, yeah, finish not. We'll have to look this up. Internet, do your thing. <laughs> Justin's tapping on his knees. <laughs> you look like carpet cats. <laughs> oh, guess what? What? Uh, next week, or I guess later on this week, Christmas episode. What, what? We're going to watch a movie, a Christmas movie you've never seen before. Okay, cool. And we're going to have special guests. Yes. And special drinks. Cool, I'll make them. Okay. Okay. Sorry this episode was late. We recorded it two days ago, and then it got deleted, because that's what our computer likes to do to us. I think there's a ghost in the machine, and that machine is our computer. And it knows right when we're getting at the end of the podcast, because it's like, ha ha, you think you're about done? Deleted! And our laptop turns into a swan. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie Portman! (laughs) Mila Kunis! What was that? I don't know. I think I became like a grandma swan. (laughs) Grandma Swans. <laughs> Grandma Swans were like 30 in ballet, ballet world. world. Yeah, that's true. One on a rider. She's like. No, no. I, ew, gross. No, I don't want to relive that moment. All right, this podcast has gone on way too long. We got to go. Okay. Okay. Go watch those movies. Go see them. And see Waiting for Superman, which is not a part of this podcast, but I saw it and it was amazing. So go see it. Um, What else did I see? True Grit. I watched today. Oh, how was it? I thought it was pretty good. Okay, go see that too. Why not? Good, but not great Coen Brothers. So, um, lots of great options out there. Um, and go see The Town. Oh, man. It's also a good movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're done now. Yes, we are done. We'll, we'll do more of like the year review later since we just gave you a preview. <laughs> we like movies. We do. And, All right. And marrying movie geeks. And, yeah. And scene. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Reach us on Twitter, Chris Winters with a K or Justin Winters, all one word for either of us, Justin's blog, DuneManFatPHAT.com, or me, I'm at Fetching and Kvetching, K-V-E-T-C-H-I-N-G, dot blog, spot.com, it's a mouthful, I know. You can just Google me and find it. Or Telegram, via Telegram. Send a seagull. Send a swan. Send a seagull? Yeah. Or a swan? Sure. Like a stork. Except instead of a bundle, they carry, like, a laptop. Okay. All right, we're done! A hamster. No, not a hamster. No? No. Adopt a dog. <laughs> I don't know. Now it's just word vomit. It's really the end now. Okay, we're, right. we're done. Goodbye. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs>